My name is R.B. Ham. It's short for Richard Brent Winteringham. How's the sound there in the back? Everybody here okay? You're good. All right. I got a pretty loud voice. So. Um, R.B. Ham is my handle, but it's short for Richard Brent Winteringham. My friends call me Brent or R.B. And when I'm in trouble, my wife calls me Richard. As my mom used to also. So... Yeah, me and Mark got together last uh, er, late spring, early summer. I started going out to these freedom rallies that our warrior grandma in Saskatoon, Donna Todd, had, had started. I joined in. I met Mark there. Me and 13, 13 people and me with a megaphone screaming into the street, your immune system is not a conspiracy theory. And other such uh, homotropes. But anyway... We've, I did, uh, when I was an anti-war activist, and just a brief note on this left-right paradigm, uh, during the lead-up to the Iraq war, and I marched against the Iraq war, made some speeches in front of some LA, MLA's offices, I noticed that the two people that I agreed with most in the United States against this Iraq war was a man named Dennis Kucinich, who was considered a socialist, and a man named Ron Paul, considered a libertarian. But they both agreed that war is not the answer. And another thing I learned about this so-called left-right paradigm is that's how they divide us, put it in boxes, and keep wedge issues always forefront to have us fighting against each other so we don't unite and actually realize who's in charge of things and who we should be fighting. It's an old Bill Hicks routine where he has the, left, the puppet on the left, the puppet on the right, you know. I like this puppet, he speaks my values. I like this puppet, he speaks about my values. And then the puppets fight. Meanwhile, the one controlling the puppets is actually getting away with murder. So you ask yourself two things in any of these um, events like this, these worldwide events that are being used to stoke opposition, to stoke division amongst the, amongst the people. Ask yourself two things. Who benefits? Well, ask yourself who benefits, and then follow the money. And if you do those two simple things and do a tiny bit of research, you'll actually find out what's going on. It's not hard. It's just called common sense. And that's one thing that they've taken away from us is our common sense and our sense of observed reality. Because they tell us we're in a pandemic. Pan meaning worldwide, global, and endemic meaning, you know, a worldwide disease. Well, they can, they can declare that every year now because in the year 2010, the World Health Organization changed the definition of the word pandemic from one of high lethality to one of high, infectious, high infectiousness. So actually, every year they could declare a pandemic because of influenza, the flu. A billion people a year worldwide get the flu, and most of them recover. So every year they could say there's a pandemic because it's highly infectious. So that's the little trick they played. In the same year, 2010, they actually declared a pandemic, the World Health Organization, over the swine flu. Two or three months later, they had to rescind it because a bunch of countries got together and said, hey, this is not a pandemic, this swine flu, we're not having any much problems with it. And in fact, in England, uh, Oxford, the Oxford people rushed to, rushed to market a vaccine, they said, would take care of the swine flu, which caused more problems than it solved. There was Gilles Barr syndrome, Bell's palsy, all kinds of problems like that, including narcolepsy. One, one person who had taken the vaccine fell asleep at the wheel of his truck and killed somebody. There was a mass up, upcry about that. In the year 2010, they also ran an, uh, the uh, Rockefeller Institute, which is how they do these things, run these scenarios. They, ran a, uh, they wrote a paper, and, and in that paper, it was on page 10, was the thing called Operation Lockstep, about looking into the future of a certain pandemic. How would we get everybody 
in the whole world to get behind it. Well, it's called in lockstep. You would have to take control of the, the public health of every country and have the World Health Organization coordinate it and have media help you do it. In 2017, the Johns Hopkins University also did a scenario like that. And, in, and they called it the SPARS pandemic from 2025 to 2028. They said it would happen. Obviously, they kicked up the timetable. It was the same thing. Worldwide pandemic. How would you get all the countries to go along with it at the same time in lockstep? And they said the World Health Organization would have, ten, have to have tendrils in every country to get everybody to act accordingly in lockstep. And then 2019, in October 2019, famously, and I hope everybody knows this one, Event 201, just look it up, a two and a half hours on YouTube simulation of a coronavirus getting out of China. How would we combat it? How would we get all the countries to work together at the same time? How would we control the media to control the message? So we're not really living through a pandemic. It's obvious with a little bit of research, we're living through a plandemic. There are very two famous documentaries, Plandemic 1, Plandemic 2. Plandemic 2 indoctrination is even better, which YouTube banned, of course, because if it's good, it's, you know, if it's something that's telling you the truth now, they ban it and censor it. That's how you can tell what's, what's the truth. So I watched both of those, and they nailed it right on. Um, great, uh, great, great documentary series for everybody to watch. Very well, ed will educate you. And uh, the biggest problem we are facing is the is the, our own uh, mainstream media, social media, big tech, collaborating with government, controlling the message. The White House, I'm sure some of you know, Jen Psaki just came out and said that the White House is going to direct Facebook on who to go, on, on, on which, which posts to flag. That is the literal definition of fascism. It's kind of funny, they were calling Donald Trump a fascist dictator. Pretty weird, eh? A fascist dictator getting banned off Twitter. Being banned off Facebook, he, I guess he didn't have that much power, did he? I, ha I, I realized he had good intentions. He wanted to drain the swamp, but the swamp drained him. Hopefully he can come back like some people hope and bring us back some hope. But we don't need that. We don't need Donald Trump. We need you. We need all of you to just look in the mirror. If you're, if you're looking at who's going to save you, look in the mirror. That's who's going to do it. This has got to be a ground, groundswell to come back and defeat this. But we do need politicians, too. When people say, oh, politicians, they're all a bunch of liars, it's not going to work. What have they ever done for us? Well, I'll point you to a guy named Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. When, all, when Dr. Fauci and the World, Economic, uh, the World Health Organization and Dr. Tam and every provincial health, public health official were all in lockstep pushing this pandemic, Way back in last November, Governor Ron DeSantis convened a roundtable of epidemiologists, virologists, and other health authorities who weren't on the government payroll, who weren't connected to the World Health Organization, the UN, the World Economic Forum, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and John Hopkins University, and asked their opinion and had a town hall, an exchange of ideas, and a proper debate. And after that, he opened up his state. No mandates. No restrictions, no lockdowns. In fact, he expressly wrote bills banning mask mandates, banning vaccine, pa vaccine passports. And, and Florida has gone down, down, down with their numbers. They're wide open. Their economy is roaring. Come, they've come back from the brink. South Dakota, under Christy Nome, never locked down. Wonderful. And even Texas, a month after Ron DeSantis proved what was working, Governor Jim Abbott of Texas opened up his state, and they're roaring too. 
Meanwhile, in that very same country, New York and California did the opposite. The number's way worse there. Their economy's destroyed. People are leaving California and New York in droves. The new Wall Street is going to be Tallahassee, Florida. And the new Hollywood is going to be Austin, Texas. It's absolutely unbelievable how, that, how you can have that dichotomy in the same state and still have people pushing this lockdown restriction mandate will work because it obviously doesn't. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Redmond, who was in charge of Alberta Emergency Management, gave a, uh, just recently in July, gave another um, interview about how before March of 2020, they had a perfectly uh, executed pandemic response. You quarantined the sick, you let the healthy live their normal lives, and you protect the vulnerable. Right in line with the October, in October of 2020, when the Great Barrington Declaration was signed by some excellent uh, epidemiologists not connected to the, 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 the big complex, Sunitra Gupta of Oxford, who was considered a liberal, and, so, and a conservative guy named Martin Calder from Harvard, and Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford signed the Great Barrington Declaration, and, 20, and tens of thousands of other doctors, health professionals, and uh, um, um, public health people even have signed on to it, including Dr. Roger Hodkinson from Edmonton, who you know is famous, who said something very important. He said, what has gone on is the biggest fraud perpetrated on an unsuspecting uh, populace ever in history. And that's saying something because a lot of frauds have been perpetrated on us, the people. They said, the Great Barrington Declaration said we have, should have focused protection, quarantine the sick, protect the vulnerable, and let, the, let, the, let society go on as normal, and there would be far less damage being done because every study that's been coming out in the last few months shows the lockdowns, mandates, restrictions have caused 10, maybe 20 times, maybe even more, more damage. More people have died from missed cancer screenings, uh, uh, elective surgeries being delayed, all these horrible things that are happening because our public health is focused on one thing only, COVID, 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 COVID. And it's being orchestrated. All the public health officials in our, in our country, from Bonnie Henry to Sadiq Shahab in Saskatchewan to Cruella de Vil in Ontario, they're all singing from the same playbook and they're hooked up to the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and the UN and, and they're, they're taking orders from them, from a foreign entity. Theresa Tam signed a non-disclosure agreement with the World Health Organization so she can't discuss what she did there and then became our public health expert and specialist in this country. She can't tell us what she was doing with the World Health Organization. Who does she owe her allegiance to? Interestingly, China's GDP grew 3.2% last year. Ours went down 4.5. They declared the pandemic over a year ago. You know how they they, what they said would work? Lockdowns and restrictions and mandates worked for them, so it's going to work for everybody. Except did they really even have a pandemic? Because I'll tell you, we're certainly not having a pandemic. A real pandemic is death carts and mass graves. A real pandemic, the government would be trying to calm you down, not trying to scare you every day. You know? There'd be public health information spots telling you how to boost your immune system. Instead, they closed down gyms and kept the liquor stores open because it's about your health. <laughs> Patty Haidu, our, our Canadian health minister, called uh, in a question in Parliament about vitamin D, she called it a conspiracy theory. Wow, sunshine therapy. I guess they didn't do that in the 1918-19. Oh, wait, they did. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. So 
In a real pandemic, it's self-evident, 1918, 1919, Spanish flu. It was self-evident. Everybody knew somebody in every family was affected. When it comes to COVID-19 amongst us, among, I couldn't find anybody who knew anybody, except maybe second or third hand. I, I knew a lot of people who tested positive, got to stay at home for work, from work for two, days, for two weeks, get paid. Nothing wrong with them, maybe a sniffle or two. And I looked into the PCR manufacturing technique. And uh, that's where they get their case-demic from. Because this PCR manufacturing technique that they've been using for quite a while, in fact, in the past, Dr. Fauci, St. Fauci, sorry, St. Fauci, all he says is golden and right, during the HIV AIDS crisis, used that PCR test to manufacture the AIDS crisis. If you look back into that, you can do some research. He's some blood on his hands from that. Just look up the drug AZT, a failed chemo drug that he had uh, financial interest in that he pushed in to save all the HIV people ended up creating the AIDS crisis, he probably is, is uh, very essential in the deaths of some very important people, including Freddie Mercury, who took AZT to cure his HIV, end up dying. The same thing is happening now with this PCR manufacturing technique. It, it is a, um, a genetic test where they swab you, put your genetic material in, a, in this machine, and they run it at a cycle, cycle threshold. Once it gets to 2025, that's where you're supposed to stop. Because if you've got something that's uh, presentable, it will register at 20 to 25. What they've been doing is running the cycle threshold from anywhere from 38 up to 45 all throughout our country. And they continue to do so now, even though the World Health Organization last January came out and said, don't do it. Surprisingly enough, one day after Joe Biden got inaugurated as president of the United States, the World Health Organization put out a new guideline saying, please don't run the cycle threshold so high. I guess Texas and Florida listened and started doing it the right way, and that's why their numbers are dropping. It's like, if you can dial this thing up, you can create any kind of pandemic you want. Because what it does with the cycle threshold up to 4045, even Anthony Fauci is on tape saying it, it can pick up any dead nucleotide, any part of the virus in your body. So if you had a cold, a coronavirus six months ago, or recently got over the influenza maybe two months ago, it will show up as a positive, and that's called a false positive. And the Christian Dorsten report pointed out that at 35 cycle threshold, you can get up to 97% false positives. So 100 people who test positive, 97 of them are perfectly fine. And that's called a case-demic, to keep people scared. So they got the case-demic. And then the death rates, they've been mag you know, inflating that. In Italy, they, uh, Italy came out and said 99% of the people who died with COVID, not of, with COVID, 99% of them had two or three comorbidities, and the average age was way over 80. Same thing here in Canada. We've been, uh, and in the United States, the CDC came out and said 97% of the people who died with or of COVID had two or three massive comorbidities, all average age over 80. Any virus, any influenza, any coronavirus would have tipped them over the edge. We, we, no death is, we're not, we're not celebrating that fact. All death is uh, sad, but let's look at it realistically. It's the same thing happens every year. When they were saying our, and when they were saying our um, uh, hospitals are overrun, well, they weren't. My wife worked in one. They shut down a whole floor of her hospital for the expected influx of COVID patients and used two beds in three months. Meanwhile, nobody could go in and get a cancer screening. Elected surgeries were called off. People died because of that. More people died from the re uh, overreaction to this uh, panic pandemic than the virus itself. And let's uh, also remember 
that there is another thing that can make you see it's not a pandemic. Because in a real pandemic, when it comes to the mask issue, they would have issued masks to everybody, the proper surgical type masks. They would have told you, they would have instructed you on their proper use. They would have mailed them to you in the mail. There would be biohazard bins on every corner for these masks and in every government building. M meanwhile, the masks are being thrown on the ground. They're ending up in reservoirs and water treatment plants, gumming up, gumming up the works. And where are the environmentalists, please? A year from now, maybe sooner, you'll hear a story, 10 square mile of face masks floating in the Pacific Ocean, killing whales. Where are the environmentalists? They're all behind this. Why? Because they're on the, uh, they're on the agenda. Sad to say, a lot of them are, unlike Patrick Moore, who saw the light, a lot of them are still on that bandwagon. They're being used. It's a sad thing to see. There are some books maybe you should read if you want to educate yourself further. Here's a book by Dr. Sukrit Bhakti and Dr. Karina Rice from Germany. Best-selling book in Europe, came out a year ago, called Corona False Alarm Facts and Figures. Proves what John Ioannidis of Stanford is also saying, that we've had her natural herd immunity to SARS-CoV-2 for over a year now. 50% of everybody in the world has already gotten it, recovered it. We don't need no vaccine. Natural herd immunity is far superior to vaccine-induced immunity. Despite what Dr. Teresa Tam said who got her education at the UN, the World Health Organization, in public affairs. She is not, not, she's, not, she's a doctor in name only. The other book you should need to read is called COVID-19, The Great Reset. Came out in June last year by Klaus Schwab, Thierry Morelli. Klaus Schwab is the founder of the World Economic Forum, right out of central casting, this guy, born in Ravensburg, Germany, 1938. He was Hitler Youth, learned his lessons well. And right in this book, it says exactly everything you need to know about what their plan is. It's, it's a compendium to his other books he's written, most importantly, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Read them all. At least go on the World Economic Forum website. Read their whole plan for us. It's uh, dressed up like, uh, you know, you know, like fairy tales and, and unicorns, but underneath it is a cold technocratic future, a dystopian future based on contact tracing slash social credit where everybody is hooked up biometrically to the uh, cloud where they can track your every move because their model is China. This is why their lockdowns and restrictions model was, was, uh, was patterned after China because that is the future if we let them have it. So read this book and be ready for everything they're doing. The social distancing part of this book is very, very scary because they actually talk about how that will be helpful in keeping workers away from each other so they don't talk too much and exchange ideas. But let's get back to the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, which was a real pandemic. It was actual real. People died in droves. Everybody knew somebody. It was self-evident. You didn't need the government and the media to tell you it was a pandemic. But it's interesting because we've always been told that the virus is what killed everybody. That the virus is what we should be afraid of. Well, we all have a virus. Viruses in our body. That's what the PCR measures. The virus is in your body. They're exosomes. When you get sick, toxins into your body, the virus flares up, the exosomes flare up, become a virus, they clean you out, you need the fever, you need to get sick, you need to throw up, you need to be sick for a week, get it out of your system, that's your body's natural immune response. Unfortunately, some of the older people of comorbidity should be protected against this. There are, other, there are really good natural ways of doing this, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, D3, if needed, 
pharmaceutical interventions, cheap pharmaceutical interventions like hydrochloroquine or ivermectin, both of which have been suppressed, could easily save tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people could have been saved. But they didn't want that because they want to scare the hell out of you. But interestingly, in 2008, the National Institute of Health did a study. One of the co-authors of this study was Dr. Anthony Fauci. And here's the abstract background. Despite the availability of published data on four pandemics that have occurred over the past 120 years, there is little modern information on the causes of death associated with these influenza pandemics, especially the 1918-1991. So their method was they examined relevant information from recent influenza pandemic that occurred during the era prior to the use of antibiotics, and that's so important, prior to the use of antibiotics. In 1918-1919, they had little information on what antibiotics were because penicillin hadn't been invented yet. That didn't happen until about 10 years later. The 1918-1919 Spanish flu in brackets pandemic. They only called it the Spanish flu because the first victim of it, an American soldier who had been vaccinated in Fort Bragg, Colorado, died in Spain. We examined lung tissue sections obtained during 58 autopsies and reviewed data from 109 established autopsy series that described 8,398 individual autopsy investigations. On a side note, they also dug up bodies of, of uh, soldiers who died during the First World War from the flu, they thought, that were buried in Greenland in the permafrost, so they were fresh samples, like having a natural fridge was Greenland. And so they, it was a very comprehensive study. This wasn't no fly-by-night study. They took a long time putting this together. It took them a year. The postmortem samples we examined from people who died of influenza during 1918-1919 uniformly exhibited severe changes indicative of bacterial pneumonia. Their conclusion was the majority of the deaths in 1918-1919 influenza pandemic, the majority of deaths, I can't actually say 80, 90 percent because, you know, but it was the majority of deaths likely resulted directly from secondary bacterial pneumonia caused by common upper respiratory tract bacteria. If severe pandemic influenza is largely a problem of viral bacterial copathogenesis, pandemic planning needs to go beyond addressing the viral cause alone. So 2008, these eggheads, these guys with the, you know, with the smartest guys in the room in 2008, 13 years ago, knew how to tackle this pandemic with antibiotics, with penicillin, with antiviral drugs, with ivermectin, with hydrochloroquine, with vitamin C, vitamin D, all the things of modern science knew how to do. But they suppressed it all, put it on the back burner. If people presented at the, at the start of this pandemic, if people who were sick and were scared went to the hospital, they slapped them on vents and killed them right away. Shot them up full of drugs so they couldn't fight back, put them on vents and let them die. To drive up the numbers. The case-demic, to drive up the numbers. What I'm saying is these bums, excuse my French, knew exactly what they were doing. This is not an, oh, oops, sorry. This is a, they got a we, these people need accountability. And I'm not talking about a slap on the wrist. They have destroyed lives. They've destroyed people's livelihoods. They've taken away the childhoods of our children, masked them up, social distanced them, wouldn't let them play sports, wouldn't let them play music. Look at the damage they've done. Very much so. So I'm thinking, not just a slap on the wrist, hard jail time at least. Fair trials, 
but hard jail time at least. Thank you very much.